everyone, welcome to Movie Fellows with Bill and Steve. I'm Bill. And I'm Steve. Movies talk. So let's talk movies. Let's talk those movies. Uh, Steve, uh, we're not going to get into how you doings this week, because, uh, uh, you know, behind the scenes snippet for people listening to this episode in July, we're recording this in June. Uh, we're stacking no, up. What? Because, no, we're not. Uh, yeah, time travel. Woo! People are no, we nerd. just got done watching all the Transformers films. Bill, uh, that fifth Transformers film, I can't get over, I still can't get over I what Megatron over. did in the third act. It was certainly a film. It was all on the screen. When Hot Rod touched the Matrix of Leadership, I got really mad. And then Stan Bush came in. Our dreams came true. <laughs> and everything good happened. But it wasn't the touch. It was, uh, what's what I was Stan Bush song to be at? We got, um... Oh, what's the one that, um, the, uh, uh, fuck! Uh, the one I, uh, there's one that I really, really like. I like the um, one, yeah, this is, oh shit, um... <laughs> I'm gonna look up Stan Bush Transformer songs uh, right now. And uh, till all are one. God damn it! I'm a fucking nerd for that fucking soundtrack. I cannot remember the, the other song I like way more than the Touch on that soundtrack. Do you mean Dare? Dare, Dare, Dare is so fucking awesome. I'm a till all are one guy. That's a good one. I also es- really like especially the his actual... more recent like um, cover of it that was like <laughs> in the video game. I also really enjoy the uh, the the title song. Oh yeah, by Lion, I think. Dare. Do believe in destiny. It is way better than Touch. I mean, I like Touch, but goddamn dare. Yeah, just just a r- ripping fucking guitar solos in that song, <laughs> tearing it up. Just like Hot Rod when him and Daniel are just driving around in cups. Like ah, you you kids, young goddamn kids, kids watching this movie don't know who the fuck I am, but they will when all their friends die. Gold book. <laughs> uh. Um, I feel like an old piece of shit. Ah, old piece of shit. That is your name now. <laughs> oh, Prime, I, I don't know about this. Uh, your name is Goldpuck now. <laughs> I hope we get that in Transformers 6. Just that scene, verbatim. Just like how Juggernaut Bitch was an X-Men. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was a good one. Um, well, we had to stop, we had to stop uh, Megatron for teaming up with Galvatron. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for those of you who want to get in on the know, there's a YouTube video about uh, Prime. But basically, when Prime wakes back up, when in, in Optimus the, Prime's Rude Awakening is the title, I still remember. Yeah, that's a good one. And it's basically kind of pl- a play on a season three episode where they have to bring Prime back to fix uh, all of Hot Rod Hot Rodimus's fuck ups. <laughs> so many fuck ups. So many fuck ups. That God, that, of all people to get the Matrix leadership, it, why him? Because even in the show when they're writing it, he still is like a fuckhead that doesn't give a shit about helping anybody. Nope. God damn it, Ultra Magnus was supposed to be the chosen one. Uh, I don't want to be leader. Too bad, Ultra, it's fucking the destiny never calls upon you in the moment that you want it. Fucking stand, step up, bitch. Yeah, hot, hot a, Ultra Magnus not wanting to be a leader would still be a hundred times better of a leader than Hot Rod ever was. Because he took on, he would take on the, 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 the you know, the, the mantle, you know, he's like, oh, you know, I, I, I'm not worthy of this, I have to, I have to do Prime Proud. Hot Rod's like, yeah, I'm the leader now, whoa! Even though it's Prime's fault, I mean Prime, Hot Rod's fault that Prime died. I gotta save Optimus. Uh, Hot Rod, get out of the way. Oh, I'm dead. <laughs> uh, this, this is a discussion for later in August when we uh, preview ahead where we will be discussing the Transformers, the movie. Uh, but for now, uh, this week, um, we're going to jump right into this film that by the time this review comes out will be super topical. Trust me. Uh, super everyone, topical. Everyone remembers all these films a month later. <laughs> and we're, we're talking about uh, Wonder Woman uh, 2017, PG-13, 2 hours, 
21 minutes. Before she was Wonder Woman, she was Diana, princess of the Amazons, trained warrior. When a pilot crashes and tells of conflict in the outside world, she leaves home to fight a war to end all wars, discovering her full powers and true identity. The war to end all wars. No more wars after this. A quick edit on that. Discovering her full powers and true destiny. I uh, misspoke there when I was trying not to burp into the microphone. Uh, It's tough tough work doing a podcast or sometime. uh, uh, So Steve... uh, what do you think of this film called Wonder Woman that has no super uh, weird uh, cultural and political fighting <laughs> and discussions going on about it currently in our uh, pop culture society? There's none of that going on. This film is as milquetoast and neutral as possible. Nobody is having arguments and fighting over this film. Nobody at all. Nobody's making this about agendas. Uh, nobody is claiming that seeing the movie makes you a uh, fighter. Of feminism, you know, giving a a major company money. Yeah, nobody's saying that this film is pro-Israel and pro-genocide and all this other stuff. No one's saying that. No one's saying any of that. No one. Uh, um, well, I like the movie. <laughs> okay, guys, um, uh, thank you for checking out the episode. <laughs> that joke never gets old. Nope, never at all. Um, yeah, I like it a lot. I, I like it a lot, a lot. I thought it was a real good time. I'm a big fan of Wonder Woman. Always have been. And the movie made me happy. I thought it was a really solid superhero origin film. It might be my favorite superhero origin film. Might be. Um, But I'm a huge Superman fanboy, so I'm always in a big toss-up between Man of Steel and anything else. So I don't know exactly, but it was really well done. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that there was a lot of fun. There's a lot of seriousness. There's a lot of themes to the film. I thought that the, uh, to me, the most important theme of coming over prejudices really stuck out and i thought that was very well handled but it wasn't layered like batman v superman which could be a positive or a negative depending on who you are we'll get more into that later so it's more accessible to mainstream audiences which i think is something that like a movie like this needs especially since it was so standalone and takes place before everything else and like I, i feel like this movie firmly establishes diana as the first fucking superhero not including black adam I was, gonna, I, I was actually just about to make a joke about Black Adam, but I'm like, you know what, Steve might uh, stick this. I'm going I'm to leave the air, I'm going to breathe yeah. air, for him to toss in there and talk um, about that. Yeah, JSA would have been in World War II if they show up. Yeah, if they show up, yes. I'll, I mean, Jay Garrick is in the first Flash script, uh, but they're rewriting everything, so who knows? Yeah, who knows? But, you know, the it's out there, and Jeff Johns really likes the JSA, so we'll see. They should keep those as Earth 2. I don't know. I see. I prefer. I do prefer the New Earth story where they were the World War Two heroes. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Personally, personally, like <laughs> that's not the objective, correct way to do it. Yeah. But whatever. You're gonna get into multiverse stuff in your films. I mean, multiverse stuff is always fun. It is always fun because then you can just have them show up. It's like ah, we have this Perdegatons here. How do we stop Perdegaton? And well, we've come from an alternate Earth to help you. Ah, oh, who are you, Sandman? <laughs> <laughs> i'm alan scott i am the green lantern what, what? i am the straightest man in the world i'm hal jordan i'm the green lantern what see what i like about the new newer stories the idea of like jay being who barry looked up to back in the day and then barry actually gets to meet him and then when barry disappears jay basically becomes wally's mentor all of a sudden and stuff mm-hmm. like that or when hal and alan scott continuously hang out and hal's inner dialogue is just like even with the shields up, I can still feel the heat of the star heart because he's that goddamn strong. Holy shit. Yeah, uh, Alan Scott ain't nothing to fuck with. He's super OP. 
his powers come from basically a whole ga- like galaxy condensed into one rock. Mm-hmm. I think that was the the gist. Like the Star Heart was like the Guardian's like first attempt at harnessing the powers. Yes, if I remember correctly. I yeah, mean, on the New Earth. Yeah, yeah, that, that yeah that type of stuff. Where it's just like fuck. You know, my favorite, my favorite, my favorite, uh, quick sidetrack, fuck one one for the moment. Favorite Alan Scott moment of all time was in the Solomon Grundy miniseries leading up to Blackest Night happening. When when Solomon Grundy, like, blows into Alan Scott's house and destroys his lantern, Alan Scott basically comes back to his destroyed house and wills the lantern back together. Yep. (laughs) And you're like, oh, holy shit, fuck! (laughs) And, And then it's the best. Because Alan Scott's the best. Anybody says otherwise can go fuck a suck. Fuck a suck. Fuck a suck. Hey, Bill, what did you think of Wonder Woman? Uh, I, th- I I do mirror many of your sentiments. I think Wonder Woman is a delightfully fun film. Uh, the thing I liked the most about it is that it was a fish out of the water film, uh, but the fish out of water was not a fucking moron the entire time. Yes, uh, that's something that I really want to point out about the movie uh, real quick before I let you finish your thoughts, just since we mentioned it, and I will forget if I don't. Um, this movie outdoes, like, it throws a lot of cliches out the window and doesn't follow them. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a fish-out-of-water story, but Diana is not a fucking idiot. No, she's naive, <laughs> but not stupid. At worst, too. You know, like, naive yeah. at worst. It's not like fucking Thor throwing a mug on the ground because he's retarded. Ah, <laughs> oh, this is great, move more. I'm, I don't understand how things work. Thor, literally no one else here is doing that. Can't you use a little context clues? Dickwad? <laughs> I come from space! <laughs> it's not magic, I kinda it's wish science! Said, oh, fuck you, Marvel. I'm so glad the DC has tripled down on everything is fucking magic. Yeah, in this universe, the fucking gods existed in everything. Yep. Marvel's just like, no, these are just alternate, like, space alien people. Yeah, they're just aliens! <laughs> they're not real gods. No, that's, this ain't real. This is just, like, weird science stuff. This <laughs> is science. Yeah, a woman's like I'm, I'm a god, like literally. You're like you're you're the quote unquote god of thunder. Bitch nah, Thor. they just call me gods. <laughs> I'm Odin, Odin being all being Odin being all like we aren't we aren't gods, Loki. We're mortal, just like humans. And Loki's like, fuck you. We live for like ten thousand years minimum. Well, that yeah, <laughs> but, you know that's we just have good health care. <laughs> that's all it is. It's universal health care in Asgard. <laughs> Yeah, America. <laughs> wow, these films are getting really weird and specific in their political message. <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh... I, I'm just picturing that happening in a Marvel film. Uh, so, uh, but as going back, yeah, the fish out of water stuff was handled great. I think it's nice to have a. The film has tons of hope to it, which I think most of the DC films have hope, even though people act like they don't for some reason. I like that there's nothing wrong with a female character fighting for love and love being a big deal, because love is a big thing, and it doesn't have, doesn't, just because you're fighting for love doesn't make it a quote-unquote weak concept or something, uh, which is a kind of a trope when it comes to female characters or uh even it destroys in general it's like oh you're like there's a difference between fighting for love and compassion and hope of the human spirit instead of the so, totals like this happened recently in dr who it happens all fucking time in dr who where the quote-unquote you know the power of love saved the day which, which is, is stupid a, which is always a terrible it's, it's one thing of it it's okay it's a terrible trope 
and it's but it's okay if a show does it every now and then. Yeah, but I'm not gonna knock it. Season, you are going back to that well. Stop it! Stop it! It is a thing that's going too often. But I think Wonder Woman is different because it is Wonder not Woman quite... isn't using the power of love. She believes in love. Yes, it's love <laughs> and peace could potentially help the world, and that is her major goal uh, by loving people with her fist to their face. Yeah, that's well. That's one of the things I've always liked about Wonder Woman, and like every diff- every decade has a different sort of Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me, the perfect Wonder Woman is the member of the Justice League who is going to be the first person to try to use love to solve the problem, is going to try to talk things out, is going to try to keep the peace. And if that doesn't work, she will also be the first one to stab you in the face. Maybe not stab you. Like, one thing I also uh, appreciate in this film is that she's not necessarily always stabbing the fuck out of people. She's just beating them, beating them up. Mm-hmm. So it's more, it's still, there's still a sense of passivity to it until shit gets real. Then it's all about, yeah, we're going we're gonna to do some knife time. Yeah, when sh- when shit gets real, it's like, oh, this is war. I was trained for this. <laughs> and um, also stuff I, I really enjoyed. The comedy in this film, I think uh, Gal Gadot and Chris Pine worked off each other really well. Chris Pine um, doing some great deadpan uh, straight man work with Gal Gadot. I really... Chris Pine as Steve Trevor stole the spotlight. But at no point did he steal the show. No. You know He's what I mean? perfect in his role. Um, uh, I'm really enjoying Chris Pine lately because uh, through all the Star Trek films, I really felt he was a one-note actor. Mm-hmm. Like, I never really felt like there was much depth to what he could do. Uh, then I watched Teller High Water that came out last year, and I thought, oh, great. I was I was super happy because, like, oh, Chris Pine can act. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Because he's in this film with Ben Foster and Jeff Bridges who can just, you know, act the fuck out of everything. So, you like, you better step up your game. And he does, and it's great. And this film, he's still, you know, he's bringing tons of, I think there's a ton of charisma and personality going on there, not just him turning on uh, Captain Kirk mode right. and going with that. Which is oh, what, my yeah. favorite moment of Steve Trevor is when he's holding the lasso of truth saying, we are going to go to the front lines. We're probably going to die. Yeah. Lost my fucking mind. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was fun. And this, yeah, like I said, just, he's plays great deadpan, great, you know, there's great, timing with their jokes and everything like the whole scene where he's taking the the bath and she's like what's that and he thinks she thinks he's talking about his penis penis yeah but no it's the watch and i i like that it's really funny it's good and just all the little stuff where she's like just, she's asking legit questions like what is this what is time what is what is a watch what is oh my god the, the best scene of those two characters together that really cemented them as having the best chemistry in my opinion was the sleep next to each other on the boat mm-hmm. love that scene they can, it's consistently back and forth. It's natural the whole time. And no, it doesn't even feel scripted. No. Like, you, if you told me that they improved all of that dialogue up until he switches positions, I would believe you, because that's how natural it felt. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to sleep next to you right now? Is this what you want? Is this why I keep asking questions? <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate it, because he's trying to be polite and not lay on the spy charm of, like, you know, it's clear... He's attracted to her, but he's not trying to, like, seduce her and try to get in her pants. Yeah. Like, he's trying to be polite about it all. That's why he's just... Yeah, he's like, flirty, but he's not... Yeah. Which <laughs> like, I appreciate. And I'm even even this you. film ha- does do the trope where, like, these characters fall in love and there's a, you know, a implied sex scene. But I feel I feel it's earned. Like, these two characters go through enough stuff and there's enough, enough of an emotional connection between uh, Diana seeing a man for the first time and this man being, you know, just, you know being Steve Trevor and being all super charismatic and being with her and stuff. I think that's an earned thing instead of just... It's very earned. I saw someone complaining that they had sex and because it's stupid and just in there to fuck, and it's just like, no, I disagree with that completely. It's it's earned. 
It makes sense. Steve and Diana ha- are as iconic of a couple as Superman and Lois, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, for them to not have sex and then him die, spoilers, um, would completely cheapen their relationship, in my opinion, and make it seem not as serious. Yeah. Whether that's valid or not, that's how it would seem. And especially because, like, given the what's happening like in the actual story... They both could die the next day. You're telling me they ain't gonna fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, it feels earned. Like, I, would I respect the film if they never had that type of stuff? Sure, that'd be fine. I'd be like, oh, cool, they didn't go, that, they didn't go with that. That's fine. Like, some of scenes, like, in Rogue One, at the end with um, Jyn Erso and Cassian Endor, like, they, they did an embrace as they're about to die uh, on, uh, in the, on the planet after the Death Star blows it up and stuff. And uh, But there's, like, there's no kiss scene, which I'd be like, yes, thank you for not doing that. Yeah, because they, they didn't earn that. There was no chemistry with that. Exactly. They were just, you know, they were uh, pay, uh, partners in, like, uh, a platonic sense, not necessarily in a, like, romantic sense, mm-hmm. where they're just helping each other do this mission and stuff. And there was no, like, I, I suddenly love you, smooch, 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 smooch. There was none of that, which, I, which was good. And it's, it, so, like, in this film, everything felt earned. It didn't feel necessarily cheap. Mm-hmm. And I and I dig that because I I I, not, I don't have a lot of patience sometimes. Like it won't necessarily sink a film, but some. I mean, obviously it's a trope and it happens a lot. And I just it's it's more respectful when they don't do it. I completely then, agree. Then they do. Then they don't do it. It's like oh great, you had restraint. You had. I, I mean, I even talked about that like five weeks ago mm-hmm. with Transformers One. The fact that Sam and Michaela didn't kiss honestly meant a lot to me. Yes. <laughs> so when two characters are fucking, and I'm saying yes, good. There's a reason. Yeah, because in that film, it doesn't feel necessarily earned. Like, yeah, they're together. They have some romantic link, but it's not like all of a sudden, oh, in the heat of the moment, I need to gonna kiss <laughs> That's you. That's exactly up. how they did it. You know, I got oh no, Megatron and Optimus are destroying the city and people are dying. Now go drive this uh, this uh, tow truck while I go get the Allspark to this place for a helicopter to pick me up. It's gonna be great. It'd be great. Uh, so yeah, the great chemistry between them. I really enjoyed that. Um, so I think that's my general thoughts. I know we had a couple of, had a couple of discussion points in there. Uh, we can move on to representation of the characters in the film. Okay. I, uh, I thought overall Wonder Woman was, was portrayed very well. Pretty much spot on in my opinion. Yes. Like I got no criticisms whatsoever. Yeah. For what the film is trying, what the goal of the film and the setting of the film and what they're going with. Yeah. I think this is perfectly acceptable. It's interesting um, that they're going with the Diana is the only child of the island, though. Yes. I, I kind of liked when she grew up with other little girls, too. And they and they would bully her over being, like, made out of clay and stuff, because kids are shitty. Yeah, and obviously there's been many different interpretations of the Wonder Woman mythos over the years, because, obviously, because, uh, through the, you know, the multiverse and the different rebirths and all, rebirths, yeah. rebirths, all that type of stuff. Uh, so they, 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 I think that the amalgamation they went with this time was fine. Mm-hmm. And I, I one of the it was kind of meant to be as a twist in the film, but I think I think most people right away knew that she was supposed to be the god killer. Oh yeah. I mean, they start talking about that. It's like okay, so clearly Zeus made her. I mean, she's the the, the sword is just uh, you she know, is the god killer. A, 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 you know, red hair. Zeus came down, fucked her mom. Then he walked away and said, "Yeah, I'm totes dead. Don't call." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think the gods are dead. To be clear, I I think that they just want Ares to think that, so he stays on Earth. Uh, too quick, drop lights. He's coming by. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh no! Oh, we're dead. Oh no! Oh. <laughs> we're not home. God damn it, Aphrodite! Stop saying we are dead. Shut up. <laughs> um, 
so that was a good interpretation there. Like I said, I think everything is pretty solid in its and its uh, what it does. Um, I think they, obviously we're going to do some comparisons between uh, Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice in this film. Uh, I think this film, everyone's like, "Yay! It's a superhero film that's all bright and and has you know all this type of stuff." Like they always go back to like the Christopher Reeve Superman or the, or all these other films. Like basically, what comics used to be. <laughs> they want this whole bubbly like, "Yeah, it's cheery, yeah, I'm gonna save the day" type story, and mm-hmm. this film is that because I think that's appropriate for the tone of the story. It's not so appropriate when the the point of your film is to show the harsh, realistic nature of if Superman existed on Earth now. Which yes. that is the goal, and that is the point of Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. And I think it hand, that those films do that well. Yeah, I completely the, agree. Those films are about is about Superman bringing everyone else into the light with him. Mm-hmm. They don't start there like they did back in the Silver Age. Yeah, and I uh, and I think those films are full of hope, and that that's the whole, you know, whole ending of the film is hope. It's like hope that we can be better, and hope that we can live in his image. It's, it's you know the Jesus analogy. Was, yeah, the, I mean the. Batman's entire arc in the film is great. Like, I know a lot of people don't like it because Batman's kind of a fucking villain in it, and that's fine. But mm-hmm. I love the fact that in Act 1, Batman is outright saying, like, uh, fucking nobody's good. We're, we're criminals. Nobody stays good. And then um, by the end of the film, he's outright saying men are still good. Mm-hmm. I think all three films... Uh, uh, I, I'm not going to add Suicide Squad because I don't think that's quite the, the point of that story. But I think nope. all three films deliver a, a very... Deliver a message of hope, but they clearly have different uh, avenues in which they get there. Agreed. And I, and I think that's great. I think, again, like DC is maintaining a, a, a good uh, repertoire of having very distinct different tones for their films. Super agreed. Where you'll always get something a little bit different. Like you're, you're like the, the hope is the main message going on here, but you're going to get there. You're going to get there in a different way and be told a different story, not just like. This is not meant to be a Marvel DC comparison, but I think the issue with all the Marvel films is they're very cookie cutter and how they deliver their message and how the films are shot. Everything, everything just feels very samey. There's never a lot of variation in like what kind of message your film is going for. I agree. And while yeah, well, yeah, DC obviously same with Hope, but I think they just do different ways of have different ways of getting there, and I think that's very uh, distinct and very appreciated on my part. Uh, but for some reason, everyone else, if it, if it, if they want the films to be presented to them in a way that comic books haven't been for probably 40 years, mm-hmm. comic books have not been like that since even the 70s, even yeah. at the time of Christopher Reeve Superman, comics were going through a much different, darker rotation where they were trying to be way, a way more of a reflection of the real world than the 50s and 60s when it was like when the comic code was in hardcore effect. Right, right, right. And I, I don't know why that is what people want their films always to be. You can be you can be cheery, you can be superhero-y, but you don't have to be bubblegum, you know, uh, pearly white, pristine. Like there's there's I don't know there's a difference there, and I I, I don't know why there's that's such a thing people think they want. Mm-hmm. Personally, I, I I think there's nothing wrong with the Christopher Reeve Superman films. That that was a different time. Those films, I don't know. I mean, I'm not I, a fan of them, and I'm a big Superman fan, but I don't know. It's to me, and that's I, not exactly what it should be. No, it, it's it's fine to have different things for different people, but this is just what we're making. If you don't like these films, just wait another twenty years. There might be something else for you. It's like that's how this stuff just rotates. Uh, but yeah. even with this film, I don't necessarily see the whole super quote unquote comic booky like you know golly gee whiz attitude of it. Like there's there's levity and there's some fun moments, but I think the film still remains keep itself grounded because it's set during World War One. Yeah. There's scenes of actual seriousness and legit shit, 
Either between uh, Diana walking through the trenches, seeing how sickly and everybody's, everybody's fucked up. Oh, everyone's or, fucked up. Or while they're getting there, crossing the bridge, and she's seeing all these fucking mutilated people who have all these, you know, missing limbs and all this shit. And then through there, or, or when the, um, um, let's see here, uh, Danny Houston's a Ludendorff is, uh, you know, gassing the fucking village they just saved. It's like she's seeing the harsh realities of war at, mm-hmm. at this time period, and. I, I didn't I don't know I didn't think that was all oh. no I don't think so at all <laughs> I mean I you know it was it was fine when it it was fine and you know, like cheery when it needed to be but it got down to fucking serious shit like the like the comparison between this film and the first Avenger I don't think is apt because the first Avenger I think ha, ha, I had a couple more moments of darker tone as we talked about in a review of it but it still felt there's still plenty a little too much of the cheerio times especially during the montages and stuff the first avenger subverted the war to make cap a hero wonder woman took on the war head on to make Mm -hmm. wonder woman a hero yes like you don't you don't see cap shoot nazis a lot you see him being a cool guy fighting just hydra and stuff yeah, and they the couldn't only... even have Nazis. They had to have Hydra. Yeah, like, there's there's no World War II with Cap. I mean, like, no. his adventures were taking place during the same time, but there's no World War II for Cap. Dino was in the fucking trenches. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you were, they weren't glossing over the fact that this is World War One. Yeah, there's guys missing fucking limbs in this movie. Um, the, the soldiers looked like children at times, which I super appreciated. Yeah, a which lot isn't of t- too far off. Right, like a lot of times uh, World War One, World War Two stuff will like, there'll be 30-year-olds playing all these soldiers, but nah, like, it, when those, especially like the Germans at the end of the film, when they're taking off their masks and stuff, and you're like, oh, that guy looks like he's 15 years old. Yeah, because that's right, because, yeah, that, that's how young well, some of these guys were. Yeah, because it was such a huge deal, like, especially World War One, it was huge, like, oh, you're not going to fight in the war? What the fuck is wrong with you? Like, because the... The reason why the war was so gruesome and such an eye-opener for a lot of people, and the Civil War was similar for America, was that they grew up with all these, like, their parents and grandparents, all these people talking about the Napoleonic Wars, talking about all these things where it's like, ah, yes, it's it's like sports teams. Like, yeah, we're, we're going to go out there, we had a good old fight, it was glorious, it was honorable. And so when the, when the war broke out, you know, World War One broke out, everyone's like, they're like fall, tra- trampling over each other to sign up. It's like, ah, oh, you know, it was like, a, like people were legit... Like, depressed and suicidal if they couldn't go and fight in the war. Yeah. And that type of stuff. So, like, a lot of kids, like, people would, like, lie about their age. They would do all, all sorts of shit to go to the war. And this film, I think, yeah, I appreciate the film for showing the realities of that. If you, even if it's a very subtle thing. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, the point of this film was not the war, you know? Mm-hmm. But it very much was a big part of the movie. Yeah, I mean, obviously the biggest point of the film was the mankind and their warlike nature this could well. This could kind of get into the ending of the film uh, when Diana finally kills Ludendorff, which she has uh, assumed is Ares the entire film, and then thinks then then doesn't see anything stopping. Like she sees the war still going, which I kind of get the idea they're going with. Like in her mind, her, this is when her naivete is coming to play, where she thinks by killing him, people is going to stop what they're doing, and like his influence is that strong. And I would have, um, this is where I kind of, this is my slight problem at the ending, so this is kind of in slight negative territory, but not full on negative, uh, just yet, is that, uh, they try to have their cake and eat it too here, where they just, this big discussion with uh, Steve Trevor saying, like, you know, maybe, maybe there was no Ares, because going into this, like, she, he was always kind of doubting her, and she was resentful that he was doubting her about Ares, 
mm-hmm. and he's kind of like you know men are like mankind has its faults there's good there's bad you know this is just how it is yeah and i appreciate him consistently saying that like you know there's war and there was but there's also love and breakfast yes exactly <laughs> Now, here's where I kind of... I, this is my slight negative gripe of the film. I kind of wish Ares wasn't in the film. Because I think that would have been a much more powerful message for Diana. To know that all of this stuff, everything she thought about with Ares was 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 wrong. Like, like this was just a mankind-created war. Mm-hmm. And not, not, not so much Ares pulling this, being the puppet master, pulling the strings and causing all this to happen. But then, of course, you have to have the big fight scene, so that's when she kills Ludendorff, and all of a sudden there's David Thewlis as um, Sir Patrick's just standing there as he teleported in. And then, I mean, I admittedly it got me to the theater, like, I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting him, of all people, to be Ares. I, I, I've seen a lot of people say, oh, it came from a mile I knew it from a mile away. I'm like, well, okay, well, I was surprised. <laughs> I didn't think we were doing the trick I... in this film. I thought that the general was Ares. Mm-hmm. Up until Diana said, "Oh, he's Ares," then I went, "Okay, clearly he's not fucking Ares." So I think it's going to be that guy that kept talking about peace because he's the only person that's different in this movie. Yeah, uh, but I, I still liked it a lot just because it didn't catch me completely off the fucking rails. Doesn't mean it wasn't a good twist. I think I, I think I liked the twist. Uh, I liked everything like when he was talking to her and trying to con her over, like talking about like what he's been doing and stuff. I especially like the same when she tries to stab him with the sword and just like melts in his fucking hands. Oh, so good. <laughs> Yeah, appreciate that. I, I don't know. I just there's something about the final fight scene that was just uh, I don't know a little messy in some regards. Like it was cool no, action. I liked watching Wonder Woman fight Magneto. Yeah, uh, I like. I actually, I thought it was kind of cool when he like put his melted armor on, like cut, scooped out the fucking eye. Oh, that was so badass! It was pretty cool. And I, 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 you know what I really appreciate? I appreciate that he was he himself was Ares. It wasn't like he had a disguise as this guy, like. Ares came down with a big bushy mustache and just has been hiding on Earth as yep. this dude this entire time. Yep. And it made sense because he was like, def- you know, in the way that he was kind of defeated by Zeus, he was de- you know injured and all this stuff. That's why he was kind of, you know, the limp explained there and all this other stuff. Yeah. And it's just him putting on the stuff. I like ma- this, like, you know, kind of doddly British actor guy or character. I don't know so much about the actor, uh, David Thewlis, but just like in all this armor, like speaking all these monologues to Diana and stuff. It was great. Uh, the entire time rad. leading up, I kept on saying, like, please, just put on the armor. That's how I will buy into this completely if you just put on the armor, because I cannot take you completely serious as Ares just like that. Yeah. And the way he puts on the armor got my blood pumping so much. And like you said, when he p- rips out his eye holes by melting away part of that part of the face, mm-hmm. oh my god. It was, it was, I thought it was pretty rad. Like, it was I mean, super rad. But I think that the fight overall... I, I don't want to say it was like the weakest part of the movie, because then there's like some slow parts of the film mm-hmm. uh, that could have been trimmed down that I would say like are worse than this. And it definitely wasn't like the worst uh, comic book movie climax by far. No. But it might be, um, might be the weakest one of the DC universe. Just the climax. Uh, yeah, just, I'd say overall, yeah, I, I, I could agree with that. Because, like, even Suicide Squad had, like, some good shit going on in their climax. By comparison. Yeah, because there's a lot of culminations and characters and the whole team-building aspect yeah. and all these things. El Diablo are... sacrifice, shit like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a little more depth going on there. This film, I think, was fine for this film, given the scope of this film and, obviously, budget of this film and what they're aiming to do. I thought this was a, it was, it was serviceable finale. And, like, there, I, I think at the end of the day, I'd be very neutral to it. I'm like, okay, it's it it what it was. There's mm-hmm. a comic book ending. Like, you know, big blue laser light from the sky coming down, all that type of shit. Yeah. Um, but I th- of all, like, the fight scenes of Diana beating up people, I thought when she lost her shit when Steve Trevor 
died and like going ballistic beating up dudes that's the, I that, that's I the scene that made the me best. go oh i thought i enjoyed that a lot more than uh now i don't i won't uh then patty jenkins as an action director i know this is this is like her first time doing this type of film so i i will forgive it but she did a lot of the kind of stuff I don't really like, the super slowdowns during fight scenes. Like, I understand doing super slowdowns if you're punching someone in the face or doing something like the one scene where one of the German soldiers breaks the butt of his rifle on Diana's chest. That's like, that's okay, slowdown scene, but... Or when she breaks the gun. Yeah, when she's just, like, gliding across the floor, I don't need that in slow motion. No, that doesn't have to be in slow motion. Yeah, slowdown speed-ups are a bit prevalent in this film, but I will give, um... I'll give Patty Jenkins a, a pass. Cause that's, it's not, not awful, but I could do without it in certain aspects of it. Yeah, it's just one of the, it's one of those elements of an a- of action films that is way too overplayed by this point. So it's just seeing in this film, it's kind of like, eh. like I'm, I'll forgive right. it, but it's it's yeah, I guess I'll forgive it, but it's just not something I really prefer in my type of stuff. But no, when she's actually moving super fast, beating people up, I'm like yeah, this is a little more. I felt there was more like adrenaline and like intensity to that than a lot of the other like fight scenes. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, but the fight scenes had good, um, good movement and good flow to them. Like, yeah, they're good war, fights like, when they're when they're liberating the town and stuff. So that I mean, overall those scenes are better. But the, the little like smaller close quarter elements could be could have been uh, snipped, you know cleaned up a little bit. Yeah, just a little um, bit. Now Steve Trevor, um, his death. I actually really really liked that whole scene. I like how she gets knocked on the head and she's kind of like having that concu- like concussive like reverberation in her ears. Which she doesn't hear fight. him at first. Yeah, and I like us as the audience, we don't hear it either, and I really enjoyed the callback when she's there struggling, seeing him take off, and then she's finally able to piece together what he was telling her. Yeah. And I really like the message of, like, you can save the world, like, tomorrow, but I can, I can save it today. Like, that type yeah. of, you know, paraphrasing there, where it's like, you know, you need to do this now. Like, this is more important. I can, I, me, I can do this one element here, and that's the, that's his sacrifice. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. It really was. I'm kind of bummed that Steve's gone, but, you know... If they want to, Wonder Woman can just walk into Hades. That's true. That could be an element. In the, in the, if they do a second film taking place during World War II, which they totally can. Especially this film. This film was set, you know, with the setup in this modern day, like her getting the, na- the, the, you know, the plate negative for the photo that we saw in Batman v Superman. Mm-hmm. And then from there, her reminiscing and basically, like, going through that window into her story about, like, her growing up on Themyscira and everything and like you could easily have the second film be the same thing where she gets something and goes back in her mess and then we see like what she was doing world during world war ii presuming mm-hmm. that world war ii happened in this universe i i assume that it did i assume too because but... i i want steve to come back to life either because zeus plucked him from the plane or because uh diana brings him out of the underworld and i want him to be walking around and i want him to ask hey guys why do you keep calling it world war one yeah yeah, I, I yeah, I always really appreciate that the attention because I I could totally see someone goofing and being stupid and writing world. I think Red Letter Media made a joke of that, like World War One. It's like no, there is no this. This is a great war. The war to end all wars. Yeah, cracks me up. But I know I've been hearing. I guess the stuff now for World War Two, like Robin Wright, who played Antiope, Antiope, the woman who trained Diana. I yeah. don't know if I <laughs> pronounce. I have a hard time pronouncing Hippolyta, and I've known about that character forever, and right. I have to always have to hear people say it to remember, like, it's like, oh yeah, it's Hippolyta, not Hippolytia. Hippolytia. Hippolypiter. <laughs> Hippolyta. Hip-hop anonymous. <laughs> Hip-hop anonymous. Uh, so, I mean, I get hearing she's coming back, I'm like, well, she died. So, unless, again, like you said, doing Hades or doing some other uh, Pantheon of God stuff. Mm-hmm. 
to see what happens there. I mean, who knows, really? I mean, I, I keep hearing that uh, the second film is going to take place in modern day, mm-hmm. which makes sense, too. I don't care. Whatever they do, so long as it makes sense for the story and they can tell a good story. They can do a, they can do a lot with this character. They could. They, and, and, and like I just said, like if you want to do another her during a war or her in the past, it's fine. I, th- I think the setup of her going back and telling us a story, there's nothing wrong with that. I hope it's her sitting and then the Justice League are sitting around her, sitting Indian style with juice boxes. Mm-hmm. And then she tells them the story of World War Two, or everyone's eating together for the annual Christmas party. And yes, so Diana tells a story. Just give an excuse to have all these like. Characters. Hey, Diana, tell us that time you killed Ares so that you would end all war, and then there was another huge World War twenty years later. Tell us that story. Shut up, Guy Gardner. <laughs> Punch. So, um, I think I think we actually covered some of the negatives, but uh, you want to move on to like just actual negative discussion of the film. I mean, there's not too much. I do think that the film's a bit slow at times. Yes. Not necessarily always in a bad way. You know, I do think that the slow parts of the film work with the film. I think that they're slow for a reason. But I can't even tell you where, but it feels like there's a couple slower scenes that could have been trimmed down a little bit. Yeah, I think everything is there for a purpose, and it's telling the story and it's taking its time, which I have no problem with. It's just me personally, like a lot of the stuff in London... Uh, there's a couple parts on Themyscira where it's just kind of it's, it's kind of going along. It's it's following the motions. It's it's doing the superhero or, superhero origin story, but uh, while not not necessarily so cookie cutter, it's still kind of going along. And I was kind of like, okay, can we? Sp-? I, I just it just wasn't quite as strongly paced as I'd like. But I think the third act of the film is, I guess every actually I will say everything from like No Man's Land forward. I think is really smooth. It goes super tight. It goes, along, goes along nice and tightly. But everything before that. Could have been, like, you know, trimmed up a little bit here and there, probably. Yeah. I'd say yeah, that. Like, yeah, like, there's there's good character moments of them meet, getting the team together to head over there, and, like, oh, there's 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 enough stuff there to make it interesting, but everything, basically, I guess everything on Themyscira was just kind of like, eh. Mm-hmm. We can speed, we can tighten this up, speed this up just a little bit, maybe, personally. And that'd be, actually, that's actually probably my only negative, because... I agree. Uh, there is some dodgy CG in the film, but I, I'll give it a, I'll give it a pass. I don't mind CG being dodgy so long as it's not super distracting. And some CG being dodgy is always a pass, you know? It's when, yeah, like, yeah. all the CG looks bad or something super major looks bad. Nothing major looked bad. Yeah, and I think even, again, I think the most dodgy stuff was on Themyscira. Yeah, agreed. It, when it got, you know, into, you know, the world, the war and everything in Europe, I think it looked a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the fi- final fight aside, because that's mostly CG, so obviously that might look rough in some spots but i think overall that looks pretty good mm-hmm. and such um oh I, oh yeah uh, speaking of what i had to positive i like dr poison quite a lot i liked them showing both sides of it that it's not just you know men being evil during this war it's especially this one fe- woman character is also a very evil yeah villain. it would have been very easy because there here's two things i definitely want to talk about because i mentioned the prejudice thing early on but i actually want to discuss that a bit a slightly more in depth but first mm-hmm. It would have been very easy to make Wonder Woman a battle of the sexes. Women are good. Yes. Men are either evil or at least misguided. You know, not. I mean, obviously Steve isn't evil, but it's possible that he could have been corrupted or anything. It would have been very easy to do that film. Instead, the filmmakers, writer and director, um, Alan, whatever his name is, and Patty Jenkins, and Zack Snyder, because he came up with the plot of this film. Just someone else wrote the script. Um, they kind of like, it seems like they knew that ahead of time knew that that's how people could take it, and went out of their way to include a Golden Age villain, a female, who is the most heinous, evil person in the film. 
<laughs> to firmly establish, no, but we are saying mankind is fucked up. We mean all of humanity. Yes. Not just penises. I really liked the character, too. She was it, wicked. So fucking she was de- wicked. She, she was definitely in Feora territory. of this a super badass female villainess. Yep, totally agree. Which was, which was really rad. I, I love her. I like the whole part of the party when uh, Trevor's trying to woo her and stuff. Oh, and, yeah. He's such a good spy. Speaking of the villains, what I really like about this film is, I've seen some people misconstrue this, that they're trying to make all the Germans look bad. I'm like, no. like They clearly show German high command wanting to you know, have peace and wanting to sign the armistice and end everything. But it's specifically Ludendorff and Dr. Poison, and they're, they're like little sect of people who want the war to keep going and want to do all this like super heinous, terrible shit. Yeah, these people are bad. The Germans aren't bad. No, the Germans aren't necessarily bad. Like they're, they're not. They're not like you know big mustache twirlers. Mm-hmm. Which I like. And I saw, it was great seeing Danny Houston in the film as Ludendorff. That was rad. I liked how they were able to kind of play a red herring on him by Doctor Poison making that like I, I calling it like cocaine because like he snorts it and he's like ah. <laughs> <laughs> And I like how they did that to kind of trick Diana, because then he's like, all of a sudden, super strong. She's like, oh, he's Ares. Clearly he's obviously Ares. Yeah, and I like how that kind of trips her up. Um, I It's slightly annoying that there's no explanation for that stuff, in the sense that she says, this will help return your strength to you. So, like, is he a metahuman that used to um, be super strong? Um, and in the same sense, I'm willing to think that this is the precursor to Venom. Seriously. Uh, no, that's... Uh, sorry, I had to remember... Ven- it took, I said I laughed. <laughs> I remember, I remember yeah. Venom as in Bane Venom, not the character Venom. Which Correct. is a clear, easy thing to mis- miscue. Yes, there. especially because um, uh, Bane is playing Venom now. That is totally fair, because the, ca- the character Dr. Poison does live, so her work could lead up to the, the Venom. Mm-hmm. Um, I also took it as this, like, he's older. He's an older general. Like, she makes something that kind of gives him vitality, but it's yeah, so I, fucking strong. It also makes him, like, fucking roid rage up. He's, like, crushing guns in his bare hands. Yeah, it's fucking sweet. So I think that, that that's also a factor there, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but, and, again, uh, to get to what I feel the main theme of the film is. To me, the main theme of the film is overcoming prejudices. Yes. Because you got all these guys that are prejudiced of Diana, because she's this little... F- she, I mean, not little, but she's a frail-looking woman who's actually a total badass and more capable than any of them. Mm-hmm. But, again, the filmmakers knew it would be super easy to make Earth dumb and Diana the best. They also made Diana also prejudiced. Um, you know, calling the sniper a coward. Um, thinking that, uh, oh, what's his name? Saeed? Uh, Charlie. Oh, you see, you're Samir? Samir, that's it. Um, yeah. Samir, like, not liking him because he's devious or a liar or something like that, or thinking that uh, Chief is completely um, disposed from the world because he's just there for profit. And then later she hears, you know, Charlie sing. She sees how uh, genuine the actor is, and he talks about how, you know, not everyone can be who they want to be. You know, I want to be an actor. I don't want to shoot people, you know, I just want to act, but this is what the world is right now, and she sees Chief turn down money. So it's absolutely also about Diana overcoming the prejudices that she had about the outside world, Mm -hmm. and being open and accepting love. I think it's a very powerful, very effective done message in this film. Yeah, and also the the things that everything, there's always a shade of gray with everything, like she's going on this area where thinking the Germans are all bad, but then... She's talking to the chief. He's like, oh, it's, you know, so they took all my land. Like, who took your land? And it's like, he. And he his people. Chris, his people. <laughs> she's, he's pointing to Chris Pine. 
And it's just kind of like, you know, showing that there's like everybody on everything. There's always these shades of gray going on with who's good, who's bad. It's not quite, quite as uh, black and white as uh, kind of Diana would be led to believe. Mm-hmm. Which was, uh, which is good. It's good, uh, good full storytelling of yes. showing all these different sides of things. And it's not, it was definitely good because I liked it because, like you said, there's these things I didn't even quite think about that until you brought up. Like, so it's a good, nice, subtle detail that's not beat over your head in the film. Oh, yeah, it's not beat over your head. It's not like Diana's walking by and saying, you know... I, I was I, wrong I, about these I, I had prejudices, but I, I see you now turning down money, Chief. I, I totally understand, and I, I'm sorry I have this prejudice against you thinking you're all you wanted was money. It's like there wasn't that. It's no, you just... just like, you see her notice it. Audience. That's it. Yeah. Which is really nice. Oh, I, I also... I loved Etta, by the way. Etta was, was of course, very fun. <laughs> I was so glad she was in the film, and that actress was a great Etta. That's all. I just wanted to mention Etta real quick, because yeah. I, I feel like she's a character that's not getting enough love, because she's so overshadowed by all the other great fucking people in the movie. Mm-hmm. So I just want to say I love Etta. Now we can yeah, continue to where I know you're fucking going. Yeah, uh, I want to I, 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 I go back. One of, my favorite, one of my favorite scenes was also the whole scene when she's trying on dresses and stuff. I thought that was, there was some good comedy. There was tons of good comedy throughout the film, which I really appreciate. Comedy where it needed to be. There wasn't some, like... She beats Ares and then does like a ha 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 like so there's not some ha ha mo- moment. It's just like okay, I did this and I, I'm sad that I lost Steve Trevor all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, now uh, we joked off the top of this episode, <laughs> uh, but of course there's a lot of stuff with this movie coming out. Mm-hmm. You have the whole we talked about the whole like men like i don't know people that get way too much press and observe it so i'm not gonna you know who i'm talking about when i say that i'm not gonna go into any more detail about it you have people uh feminist side like putting this movie on a fucking gigantic pedestal then you have other feminists inside trying to tear this movie down yeah because the whole weird armpit stuff or Uh, the fact that she's skinny she's skinny (laughs) or how come how come she's not doing stuff for america well it's what? <laughs> what? What are, you, what? What are you going on? Okay. Uh, okay, Christ. sure. Um, then there's all this stuff about how Wonder Woman's saving the DC universe. I look at the box office numbers, like, uh, she did okay. Like, everyone's, like, record-breaking. I'm like, yeah, record-breaking, because you're, you're trying to look at the, the tiny sliver of, this is the most, uh, like, biggest opening weekend for a female-directed film. Great. That's fine. That is a record-breaking. But when you say record-breaking, you're thinking... You know, the fate of the furious, Force Awakens, all this stuff, and then Wonder Woman. It made a good amount of money. Don't get me wrong. I'm yeah, glad and we're super money. happy what it's making. But and but and it's the same thing with Patty. Everyone's like, ah, oh, Patty Jenkins, woohoo! And I, I, we've talked about this for years in the podcast. Uh, Catherine Bigelow, Catherine Bigelow is a, a you know Oscar level a, a director. Does you know Point Break, uh, Hurt Locker, Near Dark, all these, all these films. Mm-hmm. Like well, she's been doing this for years. Why are we talking about Catherine Bigelow? Because it's, it's, not, tre- it's not trendy right now. And I just, this is obviously nothing against Patty Jenkins. I'm oh, the, the like, first superhero film directed by a female. What about Lexi Alexander in Punisher Warzone? Yeah, what about that? Oh, that, that film is considered a, a terrible film from people who have never seen the fucking thing. I love that movie. But yeah, I do too. And <laughs> this, this is obviously nothing as Patty Jenkins because she's clearly she. Uh, from my understanding, Patty did a great job, her. and I hope that they she, keep her for future Wonder Woman films. Sure, and I and I know she's been working really hard to get this, so good for her. But I, I just people taking this film to fit their agenda on all sides. Yeah, like let's. Let, you already said that, but let's firmly establish this to uh, our listeners, all eleven of them. <laughs> um, crazy motherfuckers on all sides are ma- using this movie for their bullshit fucking agenda, and it's not any of that. 
No, it's none of that. It's like we're talking about the the ideal of the film, the concept of the film, and not the film itself. Like they're doing all this stuff. It's like she does this, she does this, she does this. Uh, uh, Batman v Superman. She was like under the male gaze, and she was super sexualized, but not in this film. Um, did we watch the same movie? Because there's the scenes of her coming out of the the trench. You're like shots of her her, her legs, her, her inner arms, thighs, and your inner thighs. She's walking. You see up, her like, butt. She's, she's walking towards the camera. She's like perfectly framed, beautiful. Frame, look, hair blowing. Like she's a gorgeous, like fucking Aphrodite. Oh, look how gorgeous she is. Now, granted, Gal Gadot is a model, and she's a good looking woman. So you're gonna get that anyways. But the to think that. You just can film Zach's... her taking a shit. She's gonna look that good. It's... Yeah, it's like just because Zack Snyder did this one thing. I, I think back, like, what male gaze in Batman series? She looked like a badass, fucking kicking the shit out of Doomsday. So the only male gaze that she had was when she was explicitly trying to look attractive to steal stuff from Batman, and that was That's it. Fair. That was it, though. Like, and that was Diana choosing to do that. You know. It's not like she was a sex object. It was her agency being like, I'm going to put on this sexy dress so that I can steal this flash drive by. And then when she suits up, all she does is show up, blast some heat vision away from Superman, and start beating the fuck out of a giant monster. I guess that's sexualized. Yeah, she gets knocked down, and she's all like, ugh, but she's like smiling. Yeah, because she's like having a blast beating the fuck out of this monster. Yeah, she's having a good time. (laughs) Because she's a badass warrior wanting to kick shit. Uh, Oh, man. Uh, Rewatching that, the look that diana gives lois holding superman's dead body means so much more now that we saw how she lost steve mm-hmm. oh it, there's a lot in that and zach totally probably told her ahead of time like okay you're remembering about steve trevor right now yeah you're empathetic because of that um but yeah i don't know like i like i said to you before we started the podcast i saw someone saying that like oh yeah you know she wasn't sexualized at all in this movie thanks to it being a female director and i don't know i think they are just clearly seeing what they want to see because Dinah was just as sexualized in this movie as, like, most other... Not all. Some movies definitely do it in a very bad over-the-top way. Or a funny yeah. over-the-top way, whichever one. But, like, mo- she was just as sexualized as most female leads in these sorts of movies. Mm-hmm. And also, that's okay, because <laughs> sexualization isn't a negative thing. No, you, Chris they, Pine was totally fucking naked in the movie. Yeah. He was sexualized. Yeah, yeah I know. It's like... There's nothing wrong with that. These are gorgeous people, you know, in super in tip top shape, you know, doing uh, courageous, amazing things. Like, you, don't you want to be turned on by that? It's like, oh, look how fucking badass this person is, or mm-hmm. look at this great thing Chris Pine's doing, look at this great thing Gal Gadot's doing. It's like there's nothing. There's, sexy is not a bad thing as long as the character has it owns it. It's their it's it's you know agency is a big factor in this, which Wonder Woman commands everything that she's doing. There's no there's no gust of wind and a upskirt shit happening like i don't know like this like this whole thing that going on about is, is bananas to me i think even i was reading a thing where patty jenkins was like i wanted to be sexy she's a badass powerful woman there's nothing wrong with like her, her looking gorgeous and in, in the uh, the outfit and everything that she's wearing yeah i saw that too and it, get, it goes back to you know like bayonetta you know not to talk about video games about during this movie podcast but you know you got someone who's i don't know want to say any names let's call it bonita <laughs> um, <laughs> um, being a con artist uh, and complaining about Bayonetta just being like designed by men to be a sex object but then if you do two seconds of research you find out Bayonetta was completely designed by a woman specifically to be a f- like a female power symbol yeah. to be what a power fantasy is for women but people want to see what they want to see so it doesn't matter what the actual like facts of the creators are it is yeah. whatever they want it to be 
No, because they have inter- institutionalized sexism. Yeah, that's what okay. it is. You can learn from bed, you have a character who owns their sexuality and owns, like, has agency over themselves and has their prowess. Like, it's like, if you have a character who, like, like Catwoman. Catwoman is a sexy character who uses her sultry and sex appeal to get what she needs and uses that against people. I mean, Harley even of, does that. Yeah, the same thing. It's like they, but that, but those characters own that, and that's for them. They are not, they are not being exploited by an outside entity because they, they are choosing to do that as characters, and it makes sense for their characters. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, obviously, in the history of comics, there's gonna be times where it's like dumb, but I'm saying overall for their characters, that's what the, the intended goal, and that's what the they're meant to be doing. Yeah, and again, it's not like saying Wonder Woman is using her sex in this film to do stuff. She's she even when she's wearing a, a beautiful, you know, gorgeous fucking dress to the party. It's purely because there's a woman there. She looked at she she took it. Oh my god, she just stood next to the woman. Where is that woman now? Uh, she just probably got knocked out. She's dead. <laughs> she's dead in the woods. <laughs> she uh, Diana just snapped her neck. C- yeah, because her mother said that puts people to sleep. <laughs> you go to sleep. <laughs> you steal daddy's dress. <laughs> Wonder Woman is number one indestructible gangster number one G. <laughs> it's true, uh, but I I don't want to go too much more into everything. I, there's articles galore, people making ridiculous, ludicrous fucking headlines about all sorts of stuff. I I am, it's stupid as fuck and it annoys me, but I'm also having a blast with it because I'm enjoying seeing like fucking giant men babies bitch about a woman only screening. I'm having a blast seeing crazy regressive feminists complaining that Wonder Woman isn't representing all female body types. I'm having a blast watching anti-Semites getting really pissed that there's an Israeli in the fucking lead role. Like, I'm having a blast seeing everyone lose their fucking minds over what is simply a really good superhero movie. But that's the fucking culture we live in now. You know, like, I see... one of my favorite memes, and I, I can't think of an example right now because I always see them in passing and I never, like, pursue them, is, like, people looking at games that came out, like, 10 years ago or 15 years ago or movies that came out during that time, but writing a headline in today's culture. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, well, one that I thought was uh, if uh, Shadow of the Hedgehog came out in 2017, news title. Um, Sega gave their only black hedgehog a gun, and that's a problem. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And that's what we fucking live in, you know, and it's insane. And and that's not, and again, that's not to say that actual social justice is a bad thing. Actual no. equality is a bad thing. We're talking about both the super fucking crazy racists that definitely seem to be coming more out of the woodwork recently, and also the super crazy regressive left social justice warriors, which is used as a slur against people that don't actually care about social justice and care mm. about cliques. Yes, I think the, the the extremes of both sides are just in such a weird hyperbolic state about stuff. And it's just like, what is this? It's so weird to me when I can see someone on the right say, black shouldn't marry whites. And then see someone on the left say, black shouldn't marry whites. Except it's for them, it's because then it sullies uh, the black heritage. by, And it's the exact same logic! And it's still super racist, and I don't get it, Bill. What's yeah. happening to our world? It's uh, fucking Wonder Woman, man. God damn it, Wonder Woman! God damn it, Wonder Woman! Why'd you have to be so hot? Everything. Ah, male gaze. <laughs> oh man, uh, she's so fucking hot. Wait, is saying that she's hot sexist? 
She's so hot. She's making me sexist. What a fucking cunt. Well, it's because you're a man. Uh, that you're that means you're innately sexist and uh, misogyny. Yes. Uh, you should just kill yourself. It'd be, it'd be easier that way. You. Oh, I don't care if your, you know, natural inclination is to find someone attractive. That that you are you are raping them with your eyes right now. Jesus Christ. You're taking advantage of them. Uh, so Star Wars. Man, this podcast went to a weird place in the last seven minutes. Well, it's like. There's, this film is so charged in so many ways, and I don't want to make like obviously I don't want to make this a big thing about all these weird things, and that's not our intended goal. Uh, I just want to, it's like you just can't talk about this film and not slightly mention the ridiculous bubble of culture surrounding a superhero film. I agree, based off of a comic book. Yeah, uh, I, I guess I said Star Wars real quick. Uh, let's just do a quick ranking. Like, where do you drop this in the current DC extended universe? I rank it, and it's real tight for me. It's real tight. Uh, my number one is still, hands down, no question, Batman v Superman. Mm-hmm. Wonder Woman and Man of Steel are neck and neck for second place. Mm-hmm. I, I, I need to own Wonder Woman and watch it a few more times. Because, like, yeah. right now, right now, I want to say the Wonder Woman second and Man of Steel's third. But I've seen Man of Steel dozens of times at this point because i love that movie so much yeah um so i don't know if that's the case or if i'm still just kind of coming off the high of wonder woman yeah so uh, so I'm... man of steel and wonder woman are neck and neck at second and third it can go either way and then suicide squad is a definite fourth uh i, I basically mirror yours uh mine is de- you know for number one obviously batman superman Donald justice um man of steel is number two because i'm with the you I, i'm just gonna pop one of my numbers number three right now because i need more time to digest it it's still too new and then Suicide Squad's still the bottom. I still have not seen the uh, home video, the extended version of Suicide Squad, so I don't know if ever seeing that might change some stuff. But I, it doesn't. I, I don't think I, I don't think I would say I like that more than Wonder Woman. No, I saw the like the slightly longer cut of Suicide Squad, and like I like it more, but not mm-hmm. enough to increase even the star rating. Whereas like yeah, Batman v Superman, the extended like ultimate cut adds stars to the film because it makes it so much fucking better. Yeah, it fixes a lot of problems in the film. Yeah, uh, it's tough. Okay, so uh, moving on from that, uh, star ratings for Wonder Woman. Four and a half. Uh, for me, it is a solid four, and that is like a solid four. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I know I've given some films... You're ruining the Metascore! Uh, this film is an 8.3 in IMDb. I don't know what the fuck. I, this film has such a ludicrous... I, I think, personally, it's a very ludicrously high score on everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually think Metacritic's score of a 76. I think that is fair for the film, and I think I, I, that's what I'd expect it to be at. But that that Rotten Tomatoes score is just like I mean I'm glad it's high I guess because that gives a better perception of the DC films and makes people a lot more happy about stuff. Yeah, like I'm glad, but I'm also c- kind of confused. And again, like like I said it on Facebook, you know, if you folks listening don't follow me on Facebook, I outright said, you know, everyone in the world keeps on saying, man, I can't believe Wonder Woman was great after that travesty that was Batman v Superman. Meanwhile, I'm over here saying, man, Wonder Woman was great, but it wasn't as good as Batman v Superman. A best DC film since The Dark Knight. Those people should watch The Dark Knight again. I was, gonna, I've, I've, I've been really getting close to posting and asking people like to see. Maybe, maybe you should rewatch The Dark Knight. I don't mm-hmm. uh, maybe you should rewatch those films. I think you'll you'll find that they have not. Dark Knight and Batman. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, Dark Knight Rises. I know you obviously didn't hate you didn't like that, but a lot of people, you know, people, whatever. Those films haven't aged very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Batman Begins still is the strongest film out of that that trilogy. And it, or even people say best DC film ever, or something like that. It's like, well, 
I would I would probably say I like eighty nine Batman more than Wonder Woman because it's cool. It's a terrible Batman movie, but it's still a fucking cool film. Yeah, it's a cool film. So I might still say I like that more than this, but yeah, like and like we said before we start recording, I can understand people just personally liking Wonder Woman the best. It's yeah. it's a certain tone. It's to you know that sort of audience. I get that. That's fine. It's the people that keep on saying like, oh, so much better than past fucking car wrecks. Like just the the necessity people feel to shit on what came before this movie to say that they like this movie is just stupid to me. Well, Batman v Superman is the worst film of all time, Steve. Of all time. It was way worse than The Animal starring Rob Schneider. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> you should post that on Facebook and see who runs with it. Yeah, I'll go with that. Uh, so I think I'll be able to wrap it up, this discussion of Wonder Woman. I think we uh, hope he gave it credit where it is due. And hope, uh, I, hope you've seen this, I hope you're listening to this review and you haven't seen the film it's been out for like three weeks. You might want to get out to it and check it out. Go check it out. And so I think that film's... I, hopefully by the time this goes up, I hope it's still made a ton of money. I Looking at the competition, I don't I don't think The Mummy is going to beat it. Now, of course, Definitely by the time this goes up, and maybe The Mummy blew up and it's the biggest fucking movie of all time. We'll look like fools. <laughs> Two billion dollars at the box office. How did this happen? <laughs> oh my god. Disney is canceling Star Wars Land and building Mummy Land. They got the rights from Universal. Well, that won't be short-sighted like Avatar Land. <laughs> I mean, I'd rather have a Mummy Land. That character's been around a lot longer than Avatar. That's true. Quick, there's an animatronic uh, Boris Karloff. That'd be fucking Mom, sick. who's that? No, we have to tear it down to put up a Tom Cruise because people don't know who Boris Karloff is. No, no, it's going to be Johnny Depp. <laughs> <laughs> As the Mummy, even though he's like the invisible man. <laughs> yes! <laughs> and all he says is, where's the rum? Yeah. <laughs> It's, yeah, where is it? I can't find it. It's invisible. <laughs> oh, invisible man! Uh, so let's about wrap it up here. If you want to find us, uh, you, or if you want to get hold of us, I should say, uh, you can email us at moviefilmsvillainsvillainsvillainsvillainsvillainsvillainsvillainsvillainsvillainsvillainsvillainsvillainsvillainsvillainsvillainsvillainsvillainsvillainsvillainsvillainsvillainsvillainsvillainsvill